This is Realty Talk with Ellie and Galen. Welcome to episode six of Realty Talk with Ellie and Galen. We are back, week six, episode six. Hello, Ellie. How you doing? What's up? I'm doing great. <laughs> <laughs> Th- thanks for asking. Um, so the uh, we wanted to kind of get into a couple topics today. First off, Ellie, how is your day going? It's going good. How's yours? It's good. No bag of snakes. All good today. No snakes. No snakes. All, all good. Maybe some yep. snowballs because it's snowing oh, out right now. A lot now. of snow. Um, how are the roads? You said slick. They're they're pretty bad. Okay. Yep. So I'm venturing out in about 20 minutes to a showing. So that should be fun. We'll see how we navigate th- those roads. Um, so the one thing me and Ellie did um, over the weekend, we did meet, and I'm trying to get Ellie a little more comfortable on. Talking to clients on the phone, um, especially clients you have not met before that if you know, you're trying to kind of qualify them, make sure they're good, make sure they can actually afford to buy a home, make sure that there's someone you want to work with kind of deal. And Ellie, what is you overall pretty good? What's the one thing that I keep harping on you? What do you do? What's your, what's your ten- tendency? So the funny thing is, this is the exact same thing that my, um, the deputy director at the, um, other place that I work has told me repeatedly that I need to work on on the phone. So it's, it is not a new issue. I tend to talk very quickly when I'm nervous. And what's funny is you do this show and you're totally fine. <laughs> yeah. And then if people like have ever met you outside, you're, you're a normal person. You talk, you talk <laughs> at a normal enough. speed. <laughs> yeah. Oddly, you want to know, you want to know, but she does talk normal. Um, so I was always saying, I said, have a conversation, pretend you're talking to John and say, John, what's for dinner tonight? Like you wouldn't say like, John, uh, what's, what's for dinner tonight? And, uh, do, do you want, do you want chicken steak or are you going to pick it up? Me pick it up. I'm like, you would be like, Hey, what do you want for dinner? You'd be like, I don't know. You pick. And then you go, you pick. And then you go, you, no, I don't know. That's sounds that, about right. That's it's my life. Accurate. But, um, yeah. So it's all about having just kind of a fluid conversation. So yep. you did better. Um, <laughs> what, what part, what part, cause we were practicing back and forth, pretending she was calling me, I was calling her and just kind of showing and it, it's funny because me remembering back eight years ago, I was probably worse than Ellie, to be honest, because I think you can at least kind of carry on a conversation. You were a little <laughs> bit older. You're starting at an older age. I was young. I had no clue what I was talking about. And I was awful. Um, <laughs> so where do you think? What do you think is kind of your pro, like what you're good at, what you're bad at? I shouldn't say bad, but could improve at. <laughs> Room to improve. Um, I think if I get someone who who is an easy talker, a conversationalist, I do okay. Like, um, when I talked to that guy, um, a few days ago and he was very talkative and it's very easy for me if they're, if someone's friendly to establish a connection. Um, if someone does not immediately come across as friendly to me, my mind immediately goes silent. And then I'm like, Oh, I know I had questions that I had to ask, but now all I'm thinking is why don't you like me? And it just, like, like when you're driving the conversation, yeah. like when you're trying to steer it and get it back. And I was telling Ellie earlier is typically when you're trying to call somebody for real estate and you're trying to qualify it, meaning just ask questions to see, you know, kind of their time frame and when they want to move and what their plans are. Are they working with an agent already? Have they talked with a bank? And there's a very linear set of questions that in a perfect world, you would ask them, they would answer. You would ask them, you would answer. Now, obviously in conversation, people don't just follow a script. Yeah. They tend to kind of veer in and out, in and out. So what our job is, is really kind of bring the conversation back to where we want to, again, qualify them and make sure that we're helping them out because as much as I would love to talk to everybody for an hour a day, I do not have the time. Yep. So 
that that's one thing is you're always kind of trying to bring it back to center where you can actually kind of have that linear conversation. Um, but I agree when you're trying to, dr- I don't mind driving the conversation yeah. as much. I actually get, I actually don't care for talkers as much as people that are just like to the, to the point. Cause yeah. I'm like, cool. Like I, uh, like that's great. I got I, shit to do. <laughs> yeah. Like I, you know, to listen to you talk for five to 10 minutes about something that really is kind of just stuff more than I would actually need to know. I'm kind of like, ah, let's hurry up and just get through this. Yeah. Where for you, it's, it's probably a good thing because you can, it gives you time to think and time to kind of, what should I ask next? Yeah. Instead of me sitting there writing down what you should ask <laughs> and, and whispering it to you on the side. Um, but you're doing better. And it'll get a better. Little. Yep. I promise it yep. gets better. <laughs> um, so a couple topics that we wanted to talk about today, which um, the first one was we had one of our agents ask, well, I have a buyer or I have buyers that have been looking at a lot of homes for many months and they've looked at a lot of homes and they have yet to m- basically make an offer or commit to making an offer on a home. So what's my recommendation on if you're a buyer that's been looking for you know, six months, a year, two years, and haven't found a home or whatever. So there's a couple things. One, we're in a market right now that's very much a seller's market, meaning that there's not a lot of buyers, or I should say, sorry, not a lot of sellers selling their home, but there are a lot of buyers. So you're probably one of many buyers out there looking for homes. So what you're finding is as a home comes on the market, there's a good chance that it's going off quickly, which gets frustrating because you're in a multiple offer situation. Um, but the the worst thing to do is be, I don't want to say settle for anything, but if you're overly particular, meaning you have a list of like 10 things that you really want in a home, the odds that that's going to happen are very slim. So depending on how quickly you want to move, you might have to, you know, compromise on a couple and then find out your main ones. Okay. Is it in the area we want? Is it roughly in the price range we want? Does it have the bedrooms we want and the size we want? And do we, are we okay with the layout? To me, that's number one. Now, if it has a little bit less land, maybe it doesn't have a garage. Maybe the garage isn't attached. Maybe it doesn't have a finished basement, but you could finish it off or, you know, a whole host of things that you could do in time. You may have to compromise on them knowing the market that we're in and you may have to, you know, plan on doing some improvements or things, you know, next year or five years down the road. What I find for a lot of people is they get, they get too specific and then every home they get into is it's never worth that much. And the problem is when people start having that mindset where every home they look at is overpriced, that's a very bad mindset to have going into a home. So my suggestion again too is, especially if you've seen a lot of homes, you know where the homes roughly are on the market, meaning is the home overpriced? Is it roughly this in the correct price that we or in the ballpark? It could be a little overpriced, but that's relative in the sense that or subjective in the sense of how, how much do you value the home. If you're automatically just assuming every seller is 10 to 15% over market value, you'll never get a home because that's definitely not the case right now. There are some that are. There's some that go within days. I just had one that we, we put our actually, our office put on like four days ago and I had it under contract over the weekend. Holy cow. And But the thing was, was it overpriced? I showed it to one client, they thought so. I showed it to the next client, they paid full price for it. So again, it's very subjective, but it's it, it's you're in the situation where not every home is gonna be overpriced. Like you gotta, you gotta kinda pick and choose. And I think if you go in with that mindset, you could be in for a long ride. Um, now, if you're an agent doing that, you do have to stress to the, the buyer that 
you know, hey guys, we're not in a market where we can really be super picky. We gotta, you know, we have our price. We're qualified up to 180,000. Let's make sure that if we're looking at homes under 180,000, we know we can make an offer and financially we can we can pull it off. Now it's just a matter of do you like the home? If you're like, well, I like the home, but it's only worth 150. Well, who's to say it's it's worth 150 or 160? That's really for you and the seller to decide. So if you always think that it's low, well, what's going to happen? The seller's like, ah, I don't believe that. And then sure enough, a week later, two weeks later, an offer comes in, you know, 5000 under, 10000 under the purchase price, and they sell it. And then you lose out another home because it's like, I think people get a little too picky. Yeah. Um, they, get, they get too, you know, every home has to be perfect, which is never the case because if you were to buy a perfect home, that's called building a home. <laughs> you know, you're. it's kind of like if you go to buy – if you're going to a consignment shop, is the clothes going to be the same as if you bought it brand new off of a rack? If you go to buy a used car, is it the same as buying a used car? No, there's going to be some deficiencies to it. Now, buying a home that's 20 years old, there's going to be some deficiencies versus a home that's brand new because it's been lived in for 20 years. So I think people also have that have to have that mindset that it's not going to be a perfect home. You're not going to walk in and not have to touch a thing. It does happen. There's some homes like that. But a lot of people, if you're looking, to, depending on the price range, if you're looking at 120, 130, 150, 180, there's work to be done. I, yeah. I would say the homes that are completely turnkey, you're probably talking in the twos, in the threes, and that depends too on square footage. You could have 150, uh, you can have a 1,200 square foot home for 150 or 160, that's turnkey. That's possible. You're not going to have a 2,500 square foot home for 150, that's turnkey. Not going to happen. Yeah. You know, you'll have a $250,000 home like that potentially. But um, I think that's where people really got to kind of have the priorities set a little bit more straight. And then the agent has to do their job of trying to convey that to the buyer. Sometimes that's easier said than done because sometimes buyers, you know, they just, they're just stuck in their train of thought. And we have to, you know, obviously kind of handle it with kid gloves at, um, depending on who the person is. But at the end of the day, in the market that we're in, if you're a buyer, just know that going in, a lot of these homes are priced fairly well. Um, if they're overpriced, then guess what? Wait a month or two months and wait for them to start dropping the price. You're not going to roll in on the first week of the home coming to the market and being like, oh, I'm going to get $20,000 off the purchase price or overpriced. So I'm like, well, calm down. They're going to leave it on the market for another month or two and let people come through before they really start dropping. I mean, they, they can do a lot smaller reductions than a $20,000 price reduction. Yeah. So... I, I run into that a lot too, where people just think that the price is going to be overpriced. It's not the case, not all the time. Um, and if it is, you know, just hold on, stick to your guns, wait till two, three months come along and they start dropping the price and then come re come back to it when you think that it's at a fair price. But again, I think that's, that's a, a tough strategy to use if you're really trying to, trying to bank on that. Yeah. The other thing I tell a lot of buyers too, is even if you thought you overpaid by five to 10,000 and you're going to live there for 10 to 15 years, 20 years, are you really going to think that, man, I, I spent an extra 5000 on the home that I don't think I should have spent? No, because I'm ho ho hopefully in 10, 15, 20 years, the price has gone way up over 10000 on yeah. that property, and you're going to just make your money back anyway. So I try to have people use kind of a long-term mindset, not a mindset that like I'm losing money in the first week of, or you know buying the home, I'm losing money. Like Give it a chance. You're not just going to turn around and flip it yeah. tomorrow. And if you are, then then we really should be looking at exactly what you're doing is it the right time to buy knowing that you're going to try to sell with almost little to no equity in the property. Yeah. Um, I know that's probably something you haven't run into a lot, but Not you yet. will. <laughs> so this is a, a teaching moment for, for Ellie. But I think, you know, people out there, buyers pay attention to that. 
agents pay attention to that. I think it's, it's all good stuff. So, um, and the last thing we want to talk about today, again, we're going to try to keep these a little, a little quicker. Um, Instagram, social media, you're on it. You have a, you have a good page. I, 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 uh, I thought you did well. We, uh, the one thing I told you was to get it up and running prior to getting your license yep. and don't put realtor cause you weren't, but you were an aspiring realtor Yep. and shout out to Hannah. Who's done the exact same thing and slowly start building up your following. So day one, you can hit the ground running and it's yep. not like, Oh, who's this Ellie girl? Oh, instead I've seen Ellie for four months while she's been in the process of getting her license. Yep. So what's your thoughts on, on Instagram as a platform and as a platform for real estate? Um, as a platform for business, I'll start with that. I think Instagram is, is, um, underutilized by a lot of people. And I think it's becoming more recognized as something that you can use for a business. Um, I know that it is, I think the most utilized social media now, um, of all of the apps. Um, and you can use it. I mean, you know, there's a lot of builders who have it There's teachers and writers and artists, and you know, it really doesn't matter what you're selling, um, you know, you can use Instagram to kind of showcase your, your skills, your abilities, or even your personality. If, if you have, you know, a sales type job where your personality is important, um, on personal stuff, I, I'm not a huge fan of social media. I think that it can be damaging if, if someone's excessively using it. I just personally know people who are addicted to it, <laughs> I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as, as business aspects go, um, it was the first thing that, that came to my mind of, what I could do to market myself before I get out or even now when I'm very new and I don't have much of a network, um, or a lot of connections in in the real estate area. Um, and it's something I've always found social media marketing extremely fascinating. It's what I focused on when I was in school amongst, you know, seven other majors, but that was what I ended up with. And that's what my final internship was in. And I think that you have a huge, it, I think Gary Vee actually said something about this, but it really levels the playing field. You know, if, if someone doesn't necessarily have an opportunity to get out and network themselves in ways that they otherwise could. And I mean, there's people that I follow on my Instagram that I found like entrepreneurs who are disabled or, or dealing with stuff that makes it so they can't necessarily hold a traditional type job and they're still managing to be very successful just through the internet, which I think is, is phenomenal. And I, I like that that is available. Yeah. Yeah, I think to me, it's my most utilized platform that I use um, that with Facebook and YouTube. But I kind of I think the the one I like how I can intertwine them all. Yeah. You know that I can sync them up with each other. I can cross use them on different platforms. The other good thing about Instagram, which I find is cool, which we've tried to do is I try to leverage your stuff the best I can. Um, I have a slightly bigger following and I, I really mean this slightly, but you're probably going to pass me. At some point, maybe um, we'll see. <laughs> I, I just find that uh, for for some reason, um, Hannah too. Hannah laughs at me when I talk about my followers versus hers. So, <laughs> but the, the way I look at it is, it's a good way where we can cross um, promote each other. Yeah. I do it a lot with um, Matt Craig. Uh, you know, obviously a friend of the uh, of Realty Talk, and uh, <laughs> we do a lot of uh, you know leveraging each other yeah. in different platforms. Where uh, you know, you share my stuff, I share your stuff. Now we open it up to broader audience. Um, and I find that the cool thing about Instagram, which I think is very underutilized in our market, so I really find that we're forefront the on the what's that what's that word called? We're like we're we're forward thinking on that platform. I think on the forefront is the 
on the forefront. Right that sounds time. right. Yeah. There, there's a lot of, I, I look around, I follow a lot of uh, local agents. Um, a lot of them do have Instagram accounts. Um, I don't think a lot of them utilize it as well as they should. Um, I don't want to like beat my own drum, but I think I, I do a good job of, of it. And I think it's been a very big um, help for me. I've seen a few other agents get on and they're starting to kind of post what I, I think be- of too. Which, which I believe is kind of the right stuff yeah. that I think they're posting. There's some that I think are just posting garbage. Not, I mean, not, but just stuff that's not really going to leverage. Not relevant, it's, yeah. it's not relevant. It's not something that would really grab attention of people. Um, but I think having an Instagram is better than no Instagram, mm-hmm. but I really think you gotta, you gotta one is stay consistent. I mean, you have to post regularly. Um, the worst thing is you post and then you post a week later then you post three weeks later and then you post a month later and then you yep. forget to post for five months and you come back and like, I really try to post multiple times a day if possible. Um, I also try to utilize my stories as much as possible. Um, I try to make my pictures on my page seem have a theme somewhat of a theme i try to i try to um we talked about it like editing and filtering yeah. photos to make it look a lot consistent of consistency yeah. yep. um i try to post a lot of different things within my business but it's all business related um i personally don't post anything about my family on there just because i do want to separate the two yeah um some people don't want to do that um i just being in the real estate business and being kind of in a public business, I just prefer to do that. Um, I don't really need my, the other thing is I don't need my kid to get likes. I don't, I think that's kind yeah, of, yeah, I agree. Like I can post my, my kids super cute, but <laughs> again, I don't think that I'm really like selling, like selling what I do or helping people out by posting a picture of my kid. Besides, yeah. like I said, he's a cute kid. Um, but I think you do a good job on it. I think you, you post some stuff. We talked right before this, you wanted to be more consistent. Yeah, um, more active. Yep. And I think, and, I, and then I, of course, as soon as she said that, I'm like, okay, this is what you got to do. Ding, ding, <laughs> ding, ding, ding. I did a post and I, and I took, showed her exactly what to do. And I just said, you got to, you got to have just in your mind, you got to be thinking how to produce content. Yep. And then you have to execute it, meaning consistency. Yep. But you have to do it multiple times a day. Yep. And you have to look for the opportunities. Like right before we got on the podcast, what did I do? I took a picture of you behind the mic, which yep. I do at every realty talk because yep. that's, I guess, turning into the theme of, <laughs> of it or, or, you know, just, I post a picture with Ellie behind the mic saying the new episode's coming out soon, <laughs> but th- that's something I just take, the, I take a photo to do it. Yesterday's yep. podcast, I forgot to do that, but then I ended up pulling the sign down. I took a picture of the sign, which actually looked really cool. And I posted, it did, yeah. and, I, and I posted that at, so, I mean, I'm always like trying to be creative and, and find ways to post. I, I'm one that believe quality matters, but so doesn't quantity. I mean, yeah. you have to post consistently Yeah. where I could have just been like, I don't have anything. I'm not going to post. But I'm yeah. like, well, I'm going to find an opportunity. Let me post that. Yeah. Let me just post a picture of a mic. Let me post whatever. Yeah. And I just try to make, it's kind of like making your own luck. Like I make my own content to, to, for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Do you, would you, you, th- you believe all that's true? I do. I do. I think one of my biggest fallbacks is that, is the quality thing. I mm-hmm. am very particular. You overthink it. I do. I'm very particular about the way. And I'll tell Bad you the first, Bad. The, the first like probably three to six pictures that I posted on my Instagram. I won't tell you how long it took me to edit them. Cause I was like, it has to look perfect. The lighting has to be exactly this way. Um, and then I was like, fuck that. That takes way too long. And I, I very quickly stopped doing that. But, um, I, I want everything to look very cohesive when you first click on the page. And if it doesn't, it, 
it bothers me very greatly and I'm very I'm trying very hard to get like, past like that <laughs> my, my, my thing I always tell I tell Ellie and, and others speed over perfection yep. meaning how long did it take when I was like Ellie you gotta do posts I'm like wait watch this post I had it up seconds. in about three <laughs> like two minutes total yeah. like upload wrote all the text posted it I'm like don't don't overthink it because yep. I find that quality is subjective meaning if somebody like everybody's got a different viewpoint if it's mm-hmm. good or bad and I really don't care because yeah. if I overthink it all of a sudden Somebody could look at it and be like, oh man, that was a really cool post. I'm going to like it. Yeah. I don't care. Guess what? You're seeing it. You're seeing that I'm posting it. You're seeing that I'm active. I don't really care if it, it's too dark or the shadows. I'm like, I'm not trained at all. I yeah. Like I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm the opposite of that. I really just kind of learn as I go and trial and error. Um, but I think you're better off just posting something yep. and it flopping versus not posting something and never having the chance to actually, like you're better off having a thousand posts I say one thousand. That's a lot. Say a hundred posts and per day, fifty of them flop per day. <laughs> so say you do a hundred posts, yeah. fifty are terrible, fifty are really good. Well, you made fifty really good. That's how I look at it. Yeah. Where if you made one and you hit, you you did really well. Well, you did one. Yeah. That was good. Granted, you had no bad ones, but yeah. you also lost out on forty nine really good ones, and nobody remembers the bad ones. Like yeah, it's kind of like when you when you think about your sports career. Do you look back and say, I remember like a lot. No, you remember your good seasons. Like yeah. I don't remember my crappy. I mean, I, I remember them, but they're so washed away from my memory that I only really focus on the good stuff. It's kind of yeah. like in our business. You focus on the positive, more positive happens. If you dwell on like the negative, all oh, the house fell apart because of home inspection. Okay. Guess what? Keep moving yeah. on. Like I got other stuff to take care of. It is what it is. You know, it happens. We're just going to keep plugging through. So that's what they say. The most successful people fail more than anyone else. They just uh, don't care if they yeah. fail. Yeah. My, my success rate in a day is probably like 2%, <laughs> but that's well, fine. Look at that. But then I look at it. Other I, I succeeded 2%. Yeah. <laughs> so that's more than zero. So that's good. Um, Ellie, anything else you'd like to add on episode six? No, just drive safe, everyone. It's gross outside. Cool. And it probably will be tomorrow. Perfect. Yep. Well, we were going to have this episode out tonight, but Jordy had to go eat sushi. So this will be out tomorrow. Um, and I think that's it. So yep. everybody, uh, drive safe, like Ellie said. And thank you. That is episode six of Realty Talk with Ellie and Galen. <laughs> We're out.